In the great scheme of things, uh, I, I wouldn't normally be uh, speaking two weeks in a row. However, uh, we changed around the preaching schedule uh, because people needed to move things around. So this is me, second week in a row. I have to tell you that this particular sermon is one that I've preached before. But the version you're going to hear today is not one that I've preached before. When I put it in the schedule, uh, I knew that I had some notes from when I'd done it uh, another time. And despite my excellent filing system where all the sermons go in one particular box, I couldn't find the box. So um, I'm sure it hasn't disappeared, but I couldn't find it. So I sat down with the material uh, that was in my mind and, and I did it again. And I have to say to you that if there's a sermon that I preach where it, it's part of how I've grown spiritually, it's this one, it's on this theme. And uh, I believe that it speaks to the heart of who we are as a group of people. I'm very enthused about this sermon, I have to tell you. And so if the chair goes back and I start walking around, then you'll know uh, how enthused I am. Not because it's me, not because I think I've got a great sermon, but actually because of the content of what we're saying. It's part of what I believe is the definition of who we are uh, as a congregation. And it speaks to the heart of our mission uh, and everything that we do. Now, what are we actually going to speak on? So uh, the prayers of Jesus, the prayer of peace. We're particularly interested in Luke 10, verse 5, where Jesus sends out the disciples uh, two by two into uh, the various uh, parts of Israel um, and uh, they're to prepare the way for him. And one of the things he tells them to do is when they kind of are nearly there um, and they're beginning to approach the edge of the town and people are beginning to speak to them, that they are to uh, declare this prayer and part of what they're to declare is the peace of God for that household. And so Jesus' prayers of peace uh, are wrapped up and kind of find their centre in this verse that is used as part of the preparation for mission. Now, one of the things that we know uh, as a congregation from the texts that we've preached on over the last uh, uh, five or six years since our uh, inception as Mosaic is that quite often a word may have a surface meaning for us within our culture, but actually there's a much richer background to it. If I said the word baptism to you, many of you would immediately be thinking about water baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit. There would be a picture for you uh, in uh, the background. And so one of the things that helps us understand this verse uh, and all the verses that surround it is to understand what this word peace means to the people of Israel, to Jesus, and to us in the present day. Now, one of the things that we have to address before we get into the richness of that is that often in our culture, we think of the word peace specifically to do with a sense of emotional well-being. And that's not wrong. That's not wrong at all. And it is part of what we experience. But if we frame peace in that way, God has helped me out, I feel okay, I'm not as stressed as I was, 
all of those things. If we only frame it in those terms, it, it becomes our own little personal piece uh, of the gospel. And we miss out on the richness of what it is. So let's hold on to the idea that there is a piece that has to do with a sense of uh, wellness and tranquility and so on that we experience as an emotion. Let's not let go of that. That's an important part uh, of what we're saying. But let's branch out uh, a bit further. It's more than an emotion. So what then is it? When the word peace is used, what is the Bible trying to say to us? Well, one of the things that we begin to become aware of as we study the scripture is that peace is a word that speaks to a foundation of wisdom that is the bedrock of our lives. I'll say that phrase again. Peace is a word that speaks to the foundation of wisdom that is the bedrock of our lives. And so we will go through adverse circumstances and we will struggle in many of the things uh, that we face and life will throw us a curveball. But deep underneath that is the bedrock, the foundation of wisdom. Now, how does the scripture lead us uh, into that? In Proverbs uh, 3, verse 17, it talks about the paths of peace. Now, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And so it's a saying that wisdom is a path that leads you towards peace. It's a, a, a way that will help you find your destination. And it's echoed in Luke 1, verse 79, the beginnings uh, of uh, the work of Jesus because he has come as uh, a child and all the preparation for that that we find in Luke 1 and Luke 2. And it talks about uh, the paths of peace. And so we find that quite a lot of the ideas that we're dealing with in the New Testament are an echo uh, of what we've heard in the previous revelation uh, in the Old Testament and being applied to our life circumstance. When we think about wisdom as a path to peace, we then begin to think about the way that God speaks to our minds and our hearts. And the scripture then goes on to reinforce to us, uh, Philippians 4 verse 7, uh, it says that God will guard our hearts and minds with his peace. God will guard our hearts and minds with his wisdom. So this idea of peace is speaking to our whole being, not merely our emotions, everything uh, apart, uh, about us. And it, it goes on further in Colossians 3 verse 15 and says uh, that may the peace of God rule in your hearts. May the peace of God rule in your hearts. And there are many other scriptures. I'll just read some of them uh, to you. In Isaiah 59, verse 18, it says, Let peace be your governor. Let peace be your governor. Let peace be your governor. The thing that governs uh, who you think you are, what your emotions are, all of those things. Let peace be your governor and let well-being be your rule. And so when we are in the connection with and discussion with people in our contemporary culture, many of them are fascinated with the idea of well-being. And we believe uh, that the most fruitful kind of well-being is based in this biblical idea uh, about peace. And so we see that something is happening to do uh, with peace. Um, 
somewhere in the Isaiah, I think it says, the way of peace is not known by many people and there's no justice in their paths. So we begin to understand that this wisdom uh, is not merely for the small decisions, it's for the big decisions, it's for our understanding of life, it's for how we relate uh, to others. And so a wisdom foundation will guide our understanding of peace. That will then in turn lead to uh, what I call our choices or our habitual responses uh, in life. When you write things on your heart, when you uh, get things in your head, when you sing things, pray things, recite things, uh, have liturgy that speaks to you of who God is, it becomes part of your pattern of thinking. And when it becomes part of your pattern of thinking, you will often call upon it in adversity. And so peace is a choice or habitual uh, response. How does that actually uh, work out uh, in uh, our lives? Do you know, for Jesus, it was part of his habitual response. When uh, people uh, came to him, he would tell them uh, to go in peace. And we're going to touch on that uh, a little more uh, in a moment. But when you uh, look at the scripture, Psalm 34 tells us to seek uh, peace and pursue it. Jeremiah 29 uh, verse 7 tells us to seek the peace uh, of the place uh, where we live. Fifteen books in the New Testament use the phrase grace and peace be to you in the first of five or six verses uh, of their uh, introduction to everything that they're going to say and do. And imagine, you know, I have to say to people, uh, if you want to know what it is that we believe, um, part of that can be encapsulated in six words. And the six words are love mercy, act justly, walk humbly. But another thing that you could almost capture it in two words is the fact that, that Jesus' disciples greet each other in terms of grace and peace. The love of God is for you and he desires good things for you. The love of God is for you and he desires good things for you. And so uh, for the followers of Jesus in this situation, uh, it was becoming a choice, a habitual uh, response. It was part of who they were and part of what they sought. They were called to seek uh, peace and pursue it. Well, that then leads on into their uh, prayers for others. And peace began to be something that they declared uh, as part of what they believed the character of God was and what he wanted. Jesus, when he heals people, often says, go in peace. It's like, you want to know what the kingdom of God looks like? What you have just received is what the kingdom of God looks like. Now, go in peace. Now, was he sending them off uh, so that they could uh, just feel better because they were physically feeling better? In a moment, we're going to touch on what that word is actually loaded with. What is that word loaded with? We've, we've kind of understood that it's part of the vocabulary of faith, but what is it actually loaded with? And we're going to touch on that uh, in a moment. But it became a prayer of blessing. Number six, verse 26, 
uh, is where Aaron and the uh, other priests are blessing people as they leave the temple. And it's deeply familiar to us because we sing about it all the time, uh, particularly in this present uh, time, we sing the song, The Blessing, which is based around um, uh, the, the Aaron's blessing uh, outside the temple there. And one of the things uh, that is in that prayer is um, uh, that the peace of God would be with the people. And so in the everyday overflow, you know, if we're getting the idea straight in our heads, if we're beginning to be a people who habitually think about grace and mercy and peace and God's desire for the world, then we begin uh, to pray it out uh, for others. It's a very powerful thing. Many people uh, do not experience goodness and generosity uh, from other people. And our tiny acts of kindness, our tiny acts of mercy, uh, our gentle prayers of blessing uh, will impact people uh, at an emotional level in ways that we may not fully uh, have grasped uh, in the past. Uh, we just think it's a prayer and we hope God will act on it. But for many people, the prayers that we pray for them uh, cut through uh, a lack of trust, um, they cut through uh, bitterness and anger. They cut through uh, all of the things that may be stumbling people from discovering the goodness of God. So our prayers uh, of blessing are an important part of that. But, you know, you're saying, yeah, but Dave, 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 this is very good. But what about Jesus? Where does this all fit in with Jesus? He prayed that prayer, but, you know, go out and declare my peace. But what does it actually mean? Well, sometimes in church circles, we're very otherworldly. And we think that God always does things in mysterious uh, and hard to fathom ways. And sometimes he does. And we don't want to miss out on that. However, a lot of the time, the Gospels are about the embodiment of the goodness of God. People say, how can I understand who God is? Look at Jesus. He is the embodiment of the goodness of God. And so what he says about peace says to us, this is what the embodied goodness of God would look like. He says uh, in John 16, verse 33, in, in me you may have peace. In, in following after him, in taking hold of him, in believing in him, we will have peace because he has introduced us to what that looks like. And peace in every part of our lives, not just our emotions, but in our thinking and every part of who we are. Now, he begins to then say to them uh, that he's going to give it to them. He's going to give his peace to them. My peace I leave with you. And in John 20, he says, Peace be with you. My peace I leave with you, and peace be with you. So there's a latent promise of the Holy Spirit being present with people to lead them into the paths of peace and to uh, imitate and copy who Jesus uh, is and what he desires to do in the earth. We are not required to walk those paths of peace on our own. We have the Holy Spirit, we have the witness of Jesus, and we have the character of God uh, to back us up on all of those things. So, the embodied goodness of God found in Jesus. Another thing that we begin to discover about peace 
is that it's an outcome uh, of the works uh, of the Holy Spirit. An outcome of the work of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. We see that back at the beginning of the Gospels. Isaiah has said, there's a Prince of Peace coming. And when he does come, uh, and they're out, the shepherds are out there on the, the plains outside Jerusalem, the angels come singing, and when they come singing, they say, uh, peace on earth, goodwill to all men on whom his favour rests. And when Jesus sends out uh, the, the 72 uh, later in the Gospels, he says, go and declare my peace, and it will rest on some, uh, and then you stay with them because they're ready to hear. They're people that are attentive to listen to what you have just said and invest your energy uh, into uh, them. And so he has come to introduce the kingdom. This is what he's talking about when he talks about the kingdom. It's, it's this core idea to do uh, with peace. And one of the things that Jesus is addressing, and I think we really need to uh, take hold uh, of this, is that we sometimes think that we are coming to Christ because of his work on the cross so that we might be forgiven for our sins. And we are. That's very definitely what we're doing. But sometimes if we just say to people, you're bad, God is good, he'll forgive you, follow him. Then they're kind of, they're kind of relieved, you know, my sins are forgiven. You know, I have an eternity with Jesus, John 3, 16, that you might have eternal life. But actually we've missed out on giving them the richness of the rest of the story that would transform the rest of the way that they think. And so we're not saying the story is not about the cross, but before the cross, Jesus was saying all these things about what the kingdom would look like. And then the cross brings it to a culmination. Uh, our sins are forgiven, uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out, uh, and, and it, it's like a mesh, it's like a weave. It all fits together. But sometimes we neglect this piece about the word uh, peace. The fruit of the Spirit brings out in us things like long-suffering, patience, all of these things. And because the, the wisdom of God that we talked about earlier in the sermon is about relational nurture and relational goodness, we need all those fruits of the Spirit that we might be a rich embodiment of the peace of God. We need the Holy Spirit to help us uh, do the peace things that God wants us to do through the work of the Spirit in terms of our character and our response to suffering and all of uh, those things. In Matthew 5 verse 9, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. James calls us to be a people who are the embodied goodness of Jesus. Jesus embodied the goodness uh, within the Trinity of the Father. We're called upon to embody the goodness that we've seen uh, in uh, Jesus and for it to be in our, uh, our words and our deeds. And uh, James 3 verse 18 reminds us that we're to not just utter mere words, but that we're to put into action uh, what it is that we want. Uh, in uh, James' case, he's basically saying, don't say to the poor hungry man, be blessed, go in peace actually help him with the hunger issue. And so we have this pattern. 
God wants peace. It's part of his kingdom. He sends his prophets. They say one's coming who will be the Prince of Peace. He comes. He's announced. He preaches about the kingdom of God. He speaks of peace all the time. He says that he's going to leave his peace with the people. Jesus preached peace. This is what Ephesians 2 verse 17 tells us. In Isaiah 52 verse 7, we're told to proclaim peace. Now, what do we think this word actually means? Now, many of you will have heard me say this before. But if we believe that the goodness of God is for relational healing, nurture, restoration, and the reconciliation of all things to God through Jesus and our life empowered by the Holy Spirit, then it's going to make a material difference uh, in our lives and a material difference in the way that we think about life. So let's just remind us ourselves of what this word peace means. The Hebrew word is shalom. And often uh, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, there are other companion words that go with it that give that particular utterance of it uh, form and substance. So peace can mean literal peace. Peace can mean wholeness, restoration, healing, uh, all, all things to do with our physical uh, well-being. Peace can mean welfare. You know, the Bible is full of, uh, please help those people over there so they can get back to what is good. After they've been in debt to you for seven years, forgive them the debt. If their land's been taken away because of debt, give it back to them after 49 years. There's a whole kind of welfare thing going on. Uh, if you have got plenty of food and you're going up to the temple, uh, take a, a great chunk of food for the priests and the poor. Um, leave your gleanings at the side of the field so that those who are poor in your district or area can find something to eat. The Bible is relentlessly about the welfare of others. And if people talk to you and say, well, do you know, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Give yourself a gentle ability to count to 10 and, and then say, well, do you know, uh, the Lord does help those who pursue him, uh, but the Lord commands us to help others who at that moment in time in their life may not have got the story together in their head or may be the victims of systematic uh, uh, abuse or exploitation and any of those things. We cannot be running the slide rule over people and saying, well, you know, yeah, yeah, get a job, you know. We need to sit down and sympathetically listen, to be empathetic uh, to what they may have been through that has brought them to this life circumstance. God is a God who loves the broken. And he sends out his, uh, the story is a banquet. He sends them out into the highways and byways to bring them in the ones who the rest of the culture despised and said they must have seen that's why they're out there. Jesus says, go and get them. Go and get them. So, welfare. Peace also means calm. I'm getting an amen here in the room. I'm trusting that I'm getting an amen out there. Peace also means calm. Peace can also mean harmony. And I have a completely other sermon about these seven words, which I'm not going to preach right now. But... There is a richness in these, these multi-layered understandings of this word peace. It means prosperity, not as in 
I name and claim that Porsche. But more as in uh, God blessing the endeavours and the works of your hands. It means completeness. And when I looked that up, it, it, it said it, it has to do with a feeling of safety, security and being forgiven. And so when we hear Jesus saying, go and declare my peace, we begin to understand that our gospel, our good news, you know, the scripture tells us that there was too many words about peace for me to put them all in the sermon, but it says that beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. And so we're the gospel of peace people. This is who we are. This is what we do. And wrapped up in that word is peace, wholeness, welfare, calm, harmony, prosperity, and completeness. And so when you are out and about and you think, I should pray a prayer blessing, you're not just praying that people will have a, an emotional feeling that will help them feel better about life. You're actually praying, Lord, restore this situation in the wholeness of everything that it is, physical, uh, intellectual, whatever needs to happen with people, help us to be part of the solution. Help us to embody Jesus in the way that he uh, embodied. Uh, the Father. So when we pray these things, we can be sitting there going, Oh Lord, send your peace to Brother Fred. He's in a bit of a state. And it, it's just kind of like a one liner and it's gone out there. But actually, when we begin to realize what we're praying, we can begin to build a story around that even as we pray. The dear Lord, he's been through a terrible situation recently. His trust, his hope, his, all those things have been dented. And we ask, Lord, that you would begin to restore hope, that you would release trust, some of it through us, Lord. We want to be relationally nurturing uh, this person. This is the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus died for our sins, but the gospel is also, and he lived on the earth, and he embodied what God wants us to be. Now, that isn't a burden. Bono famously uh, was uh, speaking uh, to a large uh, group uh, at the National Association of Colored People in America. And uh, he talked about how the things that God wants us to do are not a burden, they're a joy. They're a joy. And, you know, when I was younger, 30, 40 years ago, and trying to understand what Christianity really meant and, and how I was going to live it out, one of the things that really struck me was that our I wanted to take hold of something that cheered my mind and cheered my heart and gave me a reason to lift my head up and say, this is what God wants. And I used to say to people, if we just keep laying burdens on people, if we just keep guilt tripping people, if we keep doing all of these things, but we don't preach about the goodness of God, then we are just consigning people to guilt, self, uh, uh, you know, beating yourself up, all of those things. We need to celebrate the goodness of God. And I want us as a congregation to celebrate it in our songs, our prayers, uh, in who we are, in feasting down at that allotment, uh, in, in, in the whole fabric of who we are. We are celebrating the goodness of God on the earth. And that's why uh, we do it, and that's why we're here today. So, okay. We're going to sing, to God be the glory, great things he has done. To kind of embody what I've just said, 
about, let us be a people who are orientated towards justice, joy, and all of those things. We know that there'll be times for lament. We know there'll be times when we're brokenhearted about something, but we want this bedrock of the wisdom of God that is expressed in the idea of peace and how that infiltrates uh, every part of uh, who we are. Let's sing to God be the glory.